Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, and welcome in to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Jim Martin, uh, joined by Greg the Great Gonzalez. Greg, I think that's your new boxing name. I hope you. Uh, I hope that's okay with you, sir. It sounds good to me, Jim. Okay, awesome. You know, Greg and I were uh, we were talking about the differences in our practices before we started today, and we and they're pretty distinct. There's a ton of similarities, uh, but the way we've built our practices are are pretty different. And what are probably our career objectives around that are are, are different as well. And you know what we want to cover today, and I think a lot of people struggle with you know how do I build this thing. How, do I build a lifestyle practice? Do I build a high volume practice? Should I turn down somebody with $250,000 because they don't hit my minimums? That's what we're talking about today. How do you build it the right way intentionally for the business you want to own? Because that's really what it comes down to. Like, right, Greg, there's a lot of ways to do this. There is no one size fits all approach. There's a lot of different ways to build the business, whether you're subscription, AUM, whether you want to run a high volume, whether you want to run a low volume, whether you run a big business, little business, or a lifestyle practice. Uh, so there's a ton of ways to do it. But I want to I want to kick it over to you. Tell the tell everybody a little bit about your business and 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 I let's get a little vulnerable here. What are you trying to do? Like, what's the objective around this? Yeah. So kind of start off to kind of explain kind of where my business stands right now is I'm I'm more of a higher quality, lower quantity, um, you know, type of business. And so I always thought to myself, if if I died, if, if I got an accident, heaven forbid, uh, and somebody, you know, uh, and my wife said, okay, now I got to sell this business. Well, yeah, I've got, I've got a, somebody in mind who would take over, but what would they be walking into? Are they just going to be walking into a pile of clients and yeah, there's some reoccurring fees and what kind of systems are in place? Or is, is it going to be a very, very organized business that's structured, all the, the notes and everything's documented in Wealthbox and a CRM of your choice? And I kind of wanted the latter. I wanted a very, very structured, organized business because... I, I, and maybe this is just me, but, um, you know, these, these clients are, are kind of, you know, looking to us for advice for their life savings. Right. Um, and so, so I kind of think, okay, if I can provide a better service, if I don't have a thousand clients that I am individually working with. Now, at some point, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, I'm probably going to have some associate advisors that work with, uh, segments of my own business. Um, and, and that's kind of to be told kind of down the road, I'm kind of wanting to maybe emulate what, uh, what Jim's been doing. Uh, not only does Jim work with, you know, probably the top tier a clients, but he also has associate advisors who work with segments of his business, of his business. I would assume maybe C and D type clients and new prospects as they come on board because there's only so much time. Yeah, I want to. I, I, I'm glad you said that, but I really would. Uh, some days I want to switch spots with you for sure. Um, yeah, 
You know, I, I haphazardly built my business because, you know, Greg, like you, I started from scratch and, um, you know, I, I just kind of had this idea. I had to take everybody. If you could fog a mirror, come on in. If you had a checkbook, you were a client of mine. And you know what you, what you end up having if you do that, and this is a challenge, if you, you end up having a lot of smaller households of people that aren't serious. And, you know, that was part of our conversation with my team in my office today is how do we how, how do we get these people to engage with us? You know, these we, and we might have a hundred of them, by the way, of people that started a Roth IRA and then stopped funding it. And now they're now they've got seventy two hundred dollars in a Roth. And, you know, what can you do with somebody like that? And we're too expensive for folks like that. So at my practice, um, you know, we've, we've got a lot of households. Uh, we've got a decent amount of AUM. But the the challenge is we're a bit less structured and fragmented than Greg is. And it, I will tell you that it, it's it's tougher on your employees. Uh, it's tougher to manage. It's going to be tougher to sell. So one of the things I've worked towards is simplifying that business in a big way is, you know, how can we streamline this? How can we make it more efficient for not just for our team and our associates, but for our clients. Now, I, I've never wanted to run a lifestyle business, if you will. In a lifestyle business, the way we would describe that is, you, you know, you've got a specific lifestyle you want to hold and you build your business around it so you can do it. So think of somebody who, you know, they really want to work part-time and they might they might be okay with 30 to 50 million or 30 to 40 million under management and, you know, 150 clients where they can go out and do all the things that are important to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you do need to do it deliberately if you want to get there. Now, Greg, when you um when you think about adding, you know, adding to your team, doesn't sound like you're you're really a lifestyle guy. You want to continue to grow. Like what's what's the end game here? Like what are, what are you trying to accomplish long term by doing that? Yeah, I, I think kind of a, a brand. And and so, you know, when when you're independent, that's one of the beauties of you know, being whether you're you're at an indie BD or you can say, hey, I'm doing business as, um, you know, whatever you call yourselves, you know, Smith Wealth Management, whatever it happens to be. Um, I'm I'm trying to build a brand, you know, in in my metro area, my extended metro area, where where people are, you know, they kind of know, you know, by the brand, uh, who we serve and what we do, and 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 so, you know, I, I've got some large, you know, kind of more long-term goals for it, but kind of steadily growing at this point, I I've got the business to a point where I can comfortably grow it myself, you know, 15 million to 25 million a year, again, higher quantity, uh, higher quality, lower quantity, you know, we're, we're not opening up $5,000 Roth IRAs here. Um, but, but it always struck me where, you know, let's, let's say I have two 65 year old couples and I'm doing all the tax planning. I'm doing the retirement planning. You know, we're we're doing the portfolio management. I'm doing all the same work for these couples. And one, let's just say my my advisory fees one percent. And and one couple, the first couple, has a million dollars. So my annual revenues are ten thousand right. dollars. And the next couple has two hundred thousand dollars. And my that at a one percent fee, uh, that's two thousand dollars. So I'm making five times as much money with couple number one as couple number two, and I did the same amount of work. Yeah, and the smaller household is subsidizing, or the larger household is subsidizing the smaller one. 
because exactly. you, could, you can't, this is, this is the problem. Your large relationships end up subsidizing. It's almost, it's not welfare because everybody's paying, but it, it really creates this, this, um, this avenue where people, they underpay, but expect the exact same thing. And, and rightly so, like, you know, you probably offered that when they came in the, the full suite of services. But I think, I think that's a, a wise move. And I think people need to be really deliberate. Like you, you really need to ask yourself, what are you building? What are you building? And then you really need to look out five years from now. And if you can, right. if you add clients where, you know, they're not serious about investing, you need to make sure that that's the right person for you. I would say that if you're going to open small accounts, it's completely reasonable and it's okay. But those people need to be DCA money every month. They need to have a right. commitment to add money to you, to the business, to the, to their, to their IRA every month, because if they're not serious about it, what you're going to end up with is, is this hodgepodge portfolio of thousands of accounts or hundreds of accounts, at least of, of just kind of dormant accounts that people won't call, call you back. They won't follow up. And these are some of the sins of our past or my past that I've, I've had. Now, one of the things we did a couple of years ago, we began to graduate some of our people out. You know, the reality was we looked at it, you know, somebody with $800 in the account, they came in and they made an IRA contribution twice and then decided, oh, I don't like that. I want that free money to go to the casino or whatever. You know, we began yeah, to like yeah. graduate them out there, you know, where they're better, the bank or, you know, they can go to Vanguard and pay 30 bips, right? Like they can go to Vanguard and pay 30 bips for the same, the same thing I'm providing at that point, which is nothing because they won't even engage me. Right. Right. And and at some point, I think we all need to, to kind of look at that and, and definitely address that to see, you know, what clients and do I have that maybe I, I took on and maybe, maybe the planning that we're doing is not a priority for them anymore. Right. Maybe yeah. saving in your 401k, you know, uh, maxing out that Roth IRA. That's okay. Right. That, that That's okay. I, I'm not, you're not going to hurt my feelings if, if you kind of get off the plan that we built for you. It just means, okay, you're not going to be able to retire when, when we planned on you retiring at 65. If you want to stop saving for retirement, well, that's fine. That's, you're not hurting my feelings. So it's just may not make sense for us to, to work together anymore. Yeah. And and also we we probably need to talk about this on a on a future episode but at, at what point maybe do you increase your costs on some of those uh you know uh lower uh net worth relationships. Yeah. Yeah, you you've got to charge what you're worth if you're going to take them on certainly. And, and the you know that's why I think there's been a big movement in the industry for a lot of people to go to more subscription based. If you're going to work with somebody who's younger, a lot of these advisors will charge a subscription around it. Of course, the people that can pay the subscription are higher net worth people. So you're not really helping the folks who weren't going to end up in a good place anyway. Uh, but with all that said, it, you know, most advisors are doing, you know, really noble work around it. Yeah, I think I, I think when we you you look at your business, you know, a lot of times um you've really got to evaluate you know, what, what, what you're trying to accomplish today, five years from now and 10 years from now. And what you don't want to do is be in a position where, you know, you're, you're so stringent on your assets under management. Like I'm only going to work with people with a million dollars where you might go out of business or you might starve along the way. Those are not things to do. And then the last thing I think advisors really have to consider is they're, is they're figuring out how are they going to build a lifestyle practice? Are they going to build a growth-oriented practice? Is capacity 
because this is a real issue. If you strive to deliver good service to your clients, and that's important to you, there's only so much time out there. You're going to hit a, the capacity wall where all of a sudden you, you've reached that maximum capacity. And, and Greg, for you, what do you think that capacity is in your practice? How many clients do you think you can, uh, an advisor can reasonably serve before they need to get help? This is a great question because you know you ask this question to different advisors, they'll tell you different numbers. But I always heard 150 different relationships is what an advisor can comfortably handle. Uh, each advisor, I, I should say. Now you may have you may say, oh well, my uh, the service model that we have, we you know we have capabilities and and uh, you know efficiencies where we can handle 300 uh, client relationships per advisor. But I have I've always heard 150. But it kind of depends on your service model, what your you know all the service that you're you know uh, doing for people. Um, but man, based on the emails and phone calls and review meetings or update meetings, whatever, um, progress meetings that you have, um, 150 would be about my goal. And I think I'm at a almost 110 right now, uh, client relationships. So I've, I've easily got 40 more spots on the arc, so to speak, as Nick Murray always talked about. Um, and, and then it maybe at that point I would have a, uh, ideally have a, a client, a junior advisor, associate advisor, um, kind of hand off some relationships uh, to, to that advisor and um, so continue to grow. Um, and maybe I work with the A plus clients uh, moving forward at that point, And then they work with the A, B and C clients uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that I think your number's right. I think it depends. It depends what your service model is. Um, so you, you, when you're, when you're doing this, you've got to figure out what your service model is. And, you know, there's, we, we probably should, we probably have talked about this before, but there's, you know, there's some advisors who want to have quarterly meetings with their clients. And I can't think of anything more miserable than that, but, you know, to each their own as they're building their own practices. So you've got to figure out what your service model is and then you've got to back into it. So now, now that we know, Hey, I want to meet with my clients twice a year and each meeting, let's say is going to take an hour and then 30 minutes of prep. So, you know, all of a sudden you're in it, you know, three hours, four hours a year per client, then you just got to back into how many hours a year do you want to work? And then you can figure out what your capacity is. But I will tell you that if you, if you lower your threshold and you begin to take more clients, you know, there are some advantages that I don't want to ignore here. You might get more referrals you'll, you, you won't, you know, one of the risks, if you have a smaller number of clients is if you lose a really big client, that can really hurt your revenue. You know, we know people out there with 10, 20, $30 million clients, if they lose one of those, that's going to hurt like really bad, really quickly. So, you know, that's an issue, but again, you, you might, you might have a, a little bit more stable income. You might, you might be able to generate more referrals, but I will tell you, having looked from the inside out on this, it will stress your team out over time because you're going to have so many relationships. Imagine you wanted to reach out to all of your clients and just kind of connect with them. Well, if you had 500 clients you had to do that with, that is an enormous amount of phone calls. If you had 150, much more manageable. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the one thing that's interesting about the number of referrals that you get in relation to the number of clients you have. So if I, if I had a thousand clients, 
just with the the game of numbers, there's the possibility of having, you know, what 10 times the amount of uh referrals that I'm that I'm getting currently, right? Assuming those people are engaged. And and that comes down, that comes back to the idea. Like there's a difference between small, small, I I think we've, you know, we've not done an episode on segmentation, but you know, there's, there's this C client, if you will, who is actively saving for retirement. You know, maybe it's a Henry, they're, they're, they're hot, high income, but not yet rich kind of client who is actively engaged. And then there's the client who, you know, you took on because you liked them and you want to help people. And, you know, they, they were nice and you like working with nice people, but then, and then you haven't heard from them in two years. They're never going to send you a referral. And, and the other thing that around referrals that I think are really important, it is absolutely 100% true that lower net worth uh, clients can send uh, referrals for higher net worth clients, but it's not the norm. You know, your social circle is your social circle. People, generally speaking, that have money will hang out with people, guess what, that have money. So that, that that's proven over and over again. But it doesn't mean that, you know, I've seen this plenty of times in my business where, you know, I've taken on a 32-year-old client and helped them out and they're nice and they're saving for retirement. And then their parents need retirement planning help. And we've been able to help them along the way, which is great too. So it does happen. But it's it's not as uh, it's not as normal as you might think. And and I would I would stress that I would put an exclamation point on that. A couple of things I wanted to piggyback on that that thought. Um, all of the referrals that I have gotten, I, I would say ninety you know five percent of them have come from another A client that were exactly like them. And kind of my specialty, it's you know. Uh, I work with people 55 and older as they plan for retirement. So all the referrals that I get, I hope that they are somebody that's 55 and older that wants help with retirement. And I'm hoping I get an email or a call saying, hey, this is John Smith. You're helping my brother, Jane, or, you know, or my sister, Jane Smith, out with her retirement. Um, she said she just retired, you know, last month or whatever, and you did a great plan for, her. I want to retire by the end of the year. Can you help me? That's, I, I want right. people to refer people that are just like them. And I want people, whatever we're helping them with, I want them to refer people that are looking for that help. And that just you know, happens to be our, our niche is, you know, uh, retiree, pre-retirees, retirees. The one thing that you mentioned was, and and there's this old saying that says, birds of a feather flock together. So people, you know, if a 35-year-old, you know, guy who just just got done paying for a wedding has young kids, if you help him with a Roth IRA and his 401k choices, guess who he's going to refer to you? People that are just like him, right? His 36-year-old college roommate or whatever. So now there are some you know, very rarely will you get a, you know, that 35-year-old will re- uh, refer his parents. But there, there was a study, it was a Harvard study, and it, it was it was amazing. And it said 90% of your success in life, that what and it was like a de- over a decade, this study, was what they, they tracked back to your reference group. Okay, and well, what the hell's your reference group? Well, it's, it's the five relationships, the five people that you came into contact, you talk to the most. So who, so your success is actually dictate by the people that you interact with. And so this is why coaching, and this is why we've had so many requests for mastermind groups, 
um, you know, from this podcast. Cause Hey, we're, you know, we've, uh, you know, the, uh, Jim, Brad, myself, uh, Jeff have all built nice practices and we're trying to share some of the wisdom that we've learned along the way. And if we can be a part of your reference group, man, I just thought that study 90% of your success is dictated by your reference group. So thinking about that, okay, if, if you're not where you want to be in your career, just change your reference group. That's like the first step. It's okay. I need to, I just need to change my reference group. I need to be around people who are at where I want to be and are more a positive influence on my life and my career. So Jim, oh. uh, can you talk about our, our mastermind before we go? Well, yeah. And, and I, that, that reference group idea is so powerful. You know, I, I, I'll tell you when my business started to explode, it was when I got around people that were doing more production than me and that had bigger businesses than me. And all of a sudden I was not the, uh, I was not the big guy in campus. I was like, I was a little tadpole and, um, learning and hearing how they did it and that motivation to kind of get there, it really changed my perspective. And I think a lot of times in our business, we we have confirmation bias and, you know, people hang out with people that are, you know, kind of at their level or even below because they want to feel like they're powerful. Not me. I love being around advisors that are doing twice as much in production as me because I want to learn how they got there. Like the guy that's, the guy that has, $10 million and has just started is awesome, by the way, but probably doesn't have a ton to teach me about building the next the next stage of my practice. Can teach me things about other things that are really important. And that's why, you know, we're 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 putting together a group that's going to be pretty awesome. And I want to, you know, I want to I want to encourage um folks who, to go out to our Facebook group and you can learn more about it. But right on Facebook, type in uh, the Financial Advisors Edge community. You'll, you're, you'll learn all about it. I think there's a lot of great information. And we've got a um, we've got a webinar coming up all about growth, which is 23grow.com. Again, go out to 23grow.com and you can sign up for a webinar. If you're interested in growing in 2023, this is the webinar for you, have no doubt. But with, you know, with all that said, Greg, I want to I want to go to the final thoughts, and I'm going to give you mine, and then we'll 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 close up for the day. But Look, whatever business you decide to build, do it deliberately. Think about it today where you want to be and then put the plan in place to get there. That's what we're really talking about. And if you don't have the business you want, you can change that. You are not beholden to the business you have. If you want a if you want a business like Greg's where, you know, ultimately you're you're taking very uh very high quality uh low lower volume I think that's awesome. If you want a business like Brad's where Brad Brad is a very high volume business, and I'm so glad he wasn't here to argue with us this whole time, uh, Greg, because he probably would have a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. um but but you should do that. It's really about what you want to build and then putting the plan in place to build it. But that's my final thought. Greg, how about you? What how, what are your final thoughts on this on this uh topic? Yeah, there's, you know, getting back to, do you want a lifestyle practice? Do you want a growth practice? It, it, it can change over time. At, at first, you know, when I was starting out, of course, I was growth, 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 and then kind of looking at things and saying, okay, ideally, you know, if, you know, what once money's not an issue, how do I, how do I keep this, my practice, my business enjoyable, yet still on an upward trajectory? And, you know, sometimes that might be, you know, changing your service model. It might be, you know, uh, rehoming some of your, your 
past clients, you know, thanking them for their their uh, past business and and kind of either finding finding them another advisor or wishing them well. Um, so so changes, you know, change makes people uncomfortable, but uh, but it, you know it, it's so powerful and it can yeah. it can it can put not only put more and more dollars in your pocket, but it can make this business so much more enjoyable, so much less stressful. You know, there's advisors that we coach that you know they may have a thousand different clients, and I'll argue maybe they have, you know, part of those are clients, but many many of those households are just customers. And and is that really what they want? And so you may have to kind of shift your mindset, but first figure out what you want because you can't hit a target that you can't see. So um it, again, it it may involve uh you know releasing some clients, it may involve uh you know adding a junior advisor down the road or an associate advisor. Uh, maybe it's just another paraplanner joining your team. Um, freeing up some capacity, but you know, this business, if, if you're going to be successful at it, you got to really have a passion for it and enjoy it. And if you're, if you're looking at your business right now and saying, gosh, how, how are we handling all this? You're just more reactive more than anything. You probably should take a, um, (laughs) a second look at it, maybe get some help. Um, maybe find that, that reference group, somebody that can really, really help you out. Maybe someone that's been in the trenches uh, before you. Yeah, it, it, I love what you just had to say there, by the way. There's so many powerful things. You've talked about change and change equals growth and finding your reference group. But the thing that struck me the most, Greg, was when you talked about this is a fun business. And if you're not having fun, uh, you mix it up, guys. I mean, you're gonna you you've decided to commit your life's work to building a financial services practice. If you're not working with the people you like and you don't have the business that you enjoy, you can change that. That's the beauty of this thing. You can change it. But hey, I want to um I want to thank Greg for sharing his thoughts and kind of giving us a peek behind the curtain into his practice. Uh, look, if you like the show, here's the best thing you can do for us. Leave us a five-star review. It really does matter. I, I mean it sincerely. Go out to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that. It means a lot. It it, it really it helps us know there's folks who uh, find value in it. You can connect with us on Facebook at the Financial Advisors Edge Community. But more than anything, thanks for listening. Remember, focus on your practice, grow it, and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.